back, everyone, to But Why Though the Podcast. Today we are doing a spoiler review of Netflix's newest Marvel series, The Punisher. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. So to start things off, let's talk about what our expectations for The Punisher were going into this. Adrian? Uh, so if you've listened to our Punisher episode... Um, there's a lot of stuff with a character that we really don't get in Daredevil 2, obviously, because it's not a Punisher show. So I just wanted them to flesh out, like, the things that make Daredevil important, like, you know, i.e., like, his military background, you know, um, a little more into why he's doing the things that he's doing and giving and just giving, like, a compelling villain because a lot of the times he's just kind of, like, destroying uh, criminal enterprises. So I just wanted them just to take the comic book and put it on screen <laughs> so i had pretty high expectations like going into it matt uh, my expectations i mean i was kind of really excited for this i guess i definitely was like kind of agree with adrian i wanted a more rounded out like find out why he's doing this and why he is the way he is because i think i said as in the punisher episode or even that when we talk about him a little bit daredevil type is he just seemed like find guy kill guy and there was nothing else to that and so i kind of wanted more of this whole like I guess, reasoning why. Yeah, for me, one of the things that I really, I guess, put it for high expectations is I wanted them to be able to show the mental trauma that Frank has that puts him in that position. And I didn't want it to be something that was just like a flash in the pan and then it's never focused on again. And being able to show that type of trauma experience and revisiting is really hard in shows a lot of times because flashbacks and stuff sometimes feel really heavy-handed or don't work so I wanted to walk away from the show feeling like I understood Frank inside and out which I think is pretty similar to you guys going into it for this review I think the easiest thing to do is to just talk about the characters and some of the situations they're in the season itself plays out he's finished his like his mission to kill the people associated with his family's death and then he finds out nope there are actually more people involved in this and it runs a lot deeper than it than it should and so for frank as a character i want to talk about him first because i think personally the scene that sits with me from here like the most like from the series because it is it surpasses Daredevil hallway fight scene for me is the sledgehammer fight in episode one. Like, it is the best scene to me out of any Marvel show. Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if I like it more than like than the hallway scene in the first Daredevil because that scene is just ridiculous. But this one was like, just like viscerally. I was like, oh, I'm not watching any I'm not like this isn't the other Marvel shows. This is this is different. This is way different. So I like how they set it up really, really early on in the show that you know you're getting something different and buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> um so as far as the Daredevil scene, I totally don't think it's better than the hallway scene <laughs> at all. But being biased, I don't know. But I did really like that at least the show ends with like something happened because that first episode does go on like very slow and you're like waiting for anything to happen and then all of a sudden when it happens it happened <laughs> and definitely violent yeah like i think for me like that 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 scene itself the music it's set to is insane 
because it fits everything perfectly. And you're right, AJ, like the visceral nature of it gives you an insight to Frank because when he comes back, like the entire middle part of this episode is, like you said, Matt, like really, really slow because you're getting a Frank that is just, just doing his job. He literally steps into his job, tears down walls, and that's it. And he's trying to move past or at the very least forget all of the stuff that he's been through before and what he's done after. And in that scene, you see just Frank break loose, like the song. Um, (laughs) And you see him become the Punisher again. And I think, for me, that's my favorite Frank scene. I think there are other great scenes from the episodes, but that, like, the entire first episode, you get him fighting against himself and just trying to forget and move on everything that he's going through. And then you have the moment with that sledgehammer, I wouldn't even call it a fight because I don't put up much of a fight, but that sledgehammer moment where he does give in and realizes what he's supposed to do. Like, he sees something and he can't let it go. This this kid has gotten into trouble. He's started making friends with this kid and he's pulled into protecting him and killing the people who are trying to kill that kid. And I think for him, like, he's not somebody who just watches he has to act and I think that that is a really core part to who Frank is and where you see him taken throughout the series so for me that's one of my favorite Frank moments and gives us kind of an understanding of how he is and why he's reactive to things do you all like how do you all think Frank was shown over the entire series and what other parts like what else did the showrunners do to show different sides of Frank or like what your favorite parts were for me um I think my I think my biggest moment that kind of encapsulates his character is towards the end, um, you know, when he's all like on the verge of death and his wife is there, and she's saying, you know, it's time to go home, and then he makes that decision of where home is, and man, if that didn't just hit me right in the gut when you know he says home at the end of the episode, it's so good because this whole this whole season he's struggling with, you know. Could he have been, like, the family man that he needed to be? You know, like, is he, like, the monster? And I think, like, that monster struggle is way more believable and so much better than they do in, like, Daredevil. Of, like, oh, father, I've sinned because I just want to go beat up bad guys. But, like, this was, like, an internal struggle of, like, you know, he did stuff that got his family killed. He wanted to be good for his family, but he just really couldn't. And this is, like, him accepting it and just, like... Fully, I think that's the moment where he fully engages in Punisher mode and becomes, you know, the Punisher fully in that moment. That's my favorite moment, I think, of, like, the whole show, to be honest. Because um, I'm putting myself in Frank's shoes, and I think that's, you know, the best characters are the human characters that you can put yourself in into their shoes. Yeah. And that's such a tough moment that I don't know what I would have chosen, you know, had that been, you know, Stefani, you know, telling me to come home, you know, in that similar situation. Yeah, so I do like both of those scenes a lot, and I think they definitely, like, I guess, encase his character, especially one that Adrian was talking about. And I guess just to add on to a different scene that I really like is obviously probably at the very end, when basically he obviously, he doesn't, he basically smashes Billy Russo's face through a glass for, like, five minutes straight, which apparently you cannot find a gift of that, no matter how hard you try. (laughs) But I really like that because, one... He makes he just basically keeps him alive. 
because out of all the movies, he kills everybody, kills everybody, kills everybody. And then, like I said, he kind of finally embraces it with that whole, like, home scene. And then in this one instance, the one person that you would think he would want to kill the very, very most, he says, no, I'm going to leave him to rot and be basically yeah. completely miserable and basically have no face, obviously. Yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think that that's really powerful. Because I think he also mentions earlier on in the, in the season, too, where he's like, Kill, not killing is hard. <laughs> And that's just for him, like, not killing the soldiers on the base that he's trying to infiltrate. And, like, to not kill the person that has literally just doomed everything. Right. Is intense. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's, like, a perfect way to, like, subtly set up, you know, season two with, you know, Billy Russo becoming Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Like, that oh, is yeah. <laughs> that is good. Like, I, I like that so much better than just, you know, having just introducing a character as Jigsaw, like, this movie was as, or, like, this series was as much as, like, um, you know, Frank Castle coming into The Punisher as Billy Russo coming into being Jigsaw, so I think you kind of have to do that. Which, can I say, as much as I think we all have mentioned at some point or another that we're tired of origin stories, I'm not tired of Marvel Netflix origin stories, because they're good. (laughs) They're really really good. Yeah, it was really good. I am tired really... of the whole subplot of we need to think one guy's the main bad guy, but it's really another guy, <laughs> and then the other guy dies, and then the lo and behold, the lower guy is actually the ba- main bad guy. This is very true. <laughs> Which once again happened in this formula. Yeah. Even though they do it so well, though. I, I do want to say, like to to Adrian's point about that about that home scene, like, and it's kind of like shifts gears, so we can talk a little bit about Frank in the military, but like that entire thread of him dealing with his family and getting those snapshots where you like his situation with his wife unfolds into where you see that this isn't actually a happy home necessarily. It's a home that is struggling from, you know, her husband and their father being constantly deployed and feeling like, and and Frank not being able to navigate, like, do I belong over there or do I belong here? Do I want the fighting or do I want my family? And I think that at least from what, like my, my uncle has talked about coming back from Vietnam and stuff like that ability like that ability to transition into a place of being home once you've seen so much or done so much on the battlefield like that that is hard and it takes an entire it takes a really big mental toll and I think I, I don't think I've seen another example of that in media that has made it like just hit me in my heart so hard and make me understand that the way that the Punisher does. Yeah, because this whole time, I mean, this whole time, like, the way he, like, obsesses about his family and do all this stuff, you'd think they were just, like, the most loving family at all. And then by the end of it, you're kind of questioning, like, or at least I was, like, was he even actually a good husband or even father? Because they show parts where you can tell that the military parts and his whole war background sometimes get to him, and he, like, almost, like, snaps. Then I snap, it has a little, like, jumps. Yeah, you can definitely see he's trying, especially yeah. like in like the fairy scene oh. where he snaps on his kid. Oh yeah, that oh, gosh. was like that was very... intense. Yeah. yeah, and just knowing people, you, and... you can see he's trying, but he's just you know half of him is here, half of him is not. Yeah, it's just Which I think it's dope. Yeah, no, it's just kind of hard to because you would just think the way, especially the whole idolization yeah. that he has of this whole fantasy that it was totally different way. Nah. I will say, like, despite you know his the obvious problems with you know his his home relationship 
thank you to these writers for not like pigeonholing him into like another relationship with like Karen Page or like <sighs> yeah even like even a little bit of Sarah Lieberman like that would have been such a bad and like undercutting of everything you're trying to get across yeah. with his character by doing that so yeah I I'm think, so glad they they didn't do that like I think they hinted it but I think you're right like they didn't they they didn't sit him down with them like he like yeah. nobody means anything to him because the mission means everything to him well you can yeah. see that they start to mean something to him as the show progresses, yeah. which is nice. So, I mean, I guess obviously if you get into, like, maybe if it's like, make to, like, season three or four, yeah. you could see down the line. Yeah. But definitely didn't do it anything, like, within the show to take out any of the whole, as you say, any good origin part of it. Yeah, I guess I mean, like, uh, you don't have that romance right off the bat. Right. Yeah, like, like he, yeah. He, 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 he doesn't curb, Like, he straight up curves her, like, in the elevator when she's, like, trying to get all kissy. And he's like, just take the gun. Yeah. Girl, <laughs> get out of here. Come on. Yeah. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I think, too, I think ultimately one of my favorite things that I can take away from this is as much as I do think Frank is the Punisher and Frank is aware he's the Punisher, I think that he's, like, that the the series itself is also very aware that Frank is just doing his mission and everybody else, like, he's the Punisher to everybody else, but to him he's Frank. Like, this is an ingrained part of who he is and it's not separate which he becomes, and to him, like, the Punisher is a symbol for everything else. I would think that maybe at the beginning, but I just feel like towards the middle, towards, like, the like last he end. it. Yeah, because basically he literally repaints the entire Punisher, like, logo and armor yeah. and everything. And then I think he just totally comes and knows it's actually a symbol and knows this is who he is and just kind of gives up. Not really necessarily gives up Frank part, where, as an old Frank like life that kind of does, but he definitely, like, more of this whole, like, take on this persona so like he take he like he comes to terms with frank and understands yeah. that like because especially like yeah. especially when I, they know they're coming after him he's like i am punisher come get me this is yeah. my persona and it's intimidating and everything else yeah. yeah i think i think it's like he fully engages that when he doesn't go like have dinner with him at the end and he's yeah. like nah man yeah come on bro it's, it's, yeah we're not we're not here anymore so yeah. i guess like moving on from Frank and I think obviously like we can talk about some of like some of the scenes and turning points in the um in the series because I think talking about the um the military support group subplot that happens is also really important but I think it deserves like it's its own time outside of characters so like moving on to like more characters um I think the next one that comes up is going to be um Mindani like I really liked her a whole bunch. The so she is the special agent whose um, whose partner was killed in the drug ring that Frank was involved with, and has eventually and th- that led to the death of his family and to the death of everyone involved and beyond that. Um, uh, no, she's not an FBI agent. She's a homeland uh, homeland security agent. That's what she is. Um, and I think. Her arc is actually really well done, too, because I, I've i mentioned it before. I don't like romances, but I liked that her and Billy, as much as she liked Billy, I thought that it was more sexual than anything else. Um, and there's this scene after Billy kills her partner where she's crying in the bathtub and I'm like hurting and I wanted to yell at the screen because of how intense that was. And I just, I don't, like, her character falls and she falls hard. 
And then she, like, gets up and stays with the, um, I guess, stays on the right side. And she she's not going to let her feelings for Frank, uh, you know, it, like, she's going to bring Frank in and she's going to let him go when she needs to. But she's ultimately, like, she's going to stay good throughout. Like, she's never once kind of, like, tested by Billy. Like, is she going to fall in love with Billy and be on his side and capture Frank? Like, that's not really a thing that's there. Well, I don't think she ever actually has given her reason to ever do that, though. Yeah. I mean, she literally only finds out about Billy because Billy basically stabbed her partner to death. There's no, like, actual conflict of, like, a point to where, like, Billy could be like, you know, come to my side or look at the side. It's more of, there's only two extremes by that point. Well, I think when they're in the stairwell, I don't think she, like, that's when she realizes it. But I think that for a moment she is on Billy's side a little bit. And then she realizes that, well, actually, she puts the pieces together. I don't know if she's ever actually actually on Billy's side. As per se, she's just on the law side of what's going on. Okay. So, like, she would be, like, that neutral force. Yes, because the whole time she is talking about the law, the law, the law, and everybody's trying to cover up everything or shove stuff under the the rug, and she's like, justice, justice, justice. Almost, at some point, at least for me, gets annoying because she does tend to get in a way sometimes. Yeah. But, no, I don't think there's ever, like, her even flipping to Billy's side because I don't think she was even close to Billy's side. It's more of it was just... Well, that's that's the thing, though, because I I guess, like, I, like, the reason I think about that is because it's always, like, it seems to be a plot point when a female character is in love with a bad character, that bad character, you, like, there's, there's usually a subplot where that bad character is trying to use them and get them on their side, so the fact that that, like, that's not a question for her morality, I, like, I like that, if that makes sense. I never see any of that happen, though. Well, I'm saying, like, I'm saying I like that that did not happen. Oh. Because that's usually what happens when you have a like a neutral or a good character paired with a bad character. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying I'm happy that didn't happen. Although their sex scenes are really intense. Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, she. I thought she was okay. I mean, she didn't do a whole lot for me, to be honest. Yeah, that's about how I felt, honestly. Just because she feels like Misty Knight, like it's it's the same thing. Like over uh, again for Misty Knight. Yeah, I that can is a see great, that. like great you know, example. independent, you know, cop doing the right thing, t- and she's there to challenge the hero's, you know, way of doing things, and she's not going to take no shit from nobody, which isn't like a bad thing. Like I like Misty Knight, but it's just like the same thing over again. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, I'm totally. Yeah, I, I could really see that. Yeah, I still think she. I, I still like the way they show her like dealing with like the like the bureaucratic end of stuff, where she's having to go through all the red tape and she's having to like answer to people who like obviously do not respect her, and like I really like that side. But yeah, you're right. Actually, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, no, I mean she. She is way, exactly way she Misty Knight. Yeah, the way, way she plays out is good and everything else. But the whole like Misty Knight comparison and like, her said, role. Yeah, her role thing. I just don't care for yeah. that at all like That's i didn't like misty knight annoyed me quite a bit especially in the defenders so and she was kind of a dick to homeboy like for like no reason what are you talking <laughs> about literally like the own her her partner oh yeah. yeah like literally the only person in that department who like was nice. cared yeah and she was just kind of a dick to him for <laughs> and then like when he dies then it's like oh my partner died but like yeah. you were a dick to him Almost well, like, entirely in, up to that point. Like, I see yeah. that. Almost entirely. Yeah, no, no, I completely agree there. But I guess also I kind of see it as, like, she's kind of disrespected by literally everybody around her. So her first reaction is to be that way to everybody. Like, whether they're, like, and it's a character flaw. 
right? Like, it's the fact that, like, she can't let anybody get into that space because she automatically has her wall up. Well, I mean, you can see that at the beginning, but then, like, even towards, like, the... I don't think she was a dick when they found the bug. I think at that point she had started changing. Yeah, but that wasn't until, like, episode, like, five or six. I know. To have, like, that's half the season. (laughs) Yeah, I thought she was just kind of mean to him. (laughs) I was like, hey, man. I guess I just don't see a problem with it. You're mean mean to him, but because Billy Russo's hot, you're going to go... Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah, that's true. Go be all nice to him. And he makes that point. He, yes. like, yeah, that's true. Like, he makes that point in the show. And I'm like, this is completely right. Like, you are such an asshole yeah. for being mean to him just because, like, if he looked like Billy Russo, I guarantee you she would not have been a dick to him. Yeah. That is true. And that's fucked up. I can't argue against <laughs> I that. I don't like that. I can't argue against that. But I will say <laughs> that she was just using Billy for sex a lot of the time, which I was okay with. Yeah, but she also, like, shared her plans and shit yeah. with Billy. She yeah. shared more with Billy than she did with her own partner. That is true. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, God damn it, Madani. <laughs> so all you gotta God do is be, uh, be hot and women fall to you, Ben. Well, that's the problem. That's why Billy Russo ends up being the way he is, because he's the hottest man on the show. Not even hottest man, hottest person on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um. So next up, I would say Micro. The handy dandy sidekick who is tortured in a chair for a little bit before he becomes the sidekick. Um, he, I mean, for me personally, I liked him. Um, I didn't like a lot of his choices. Like which ones? I just don't like a lot of the choices he made with his family. And then just kind of getting mad at Frank for being around his family when it's kind of like, I know you made the choice to save them, so please don't get mad at Frank for constantly checking up on them. I don't think he was ever really... Well, he also checks up on them, like, when he doesn't ask him to. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> yeah, that, is, that is true. <laughs> I was like, I don't think it was that. Which it he was... only knows because he, he, he is watching I mean, over them very, very... How can he not get thoroughly. mad? Like, how can you watch your wife basically, like, have a crush on this dude? Like, a very apparent crush on Frank. Yeah. And then, like, just be... I'd be pissed, too. I mean, but then he's Frank. I, I honestly think that's why I didn't have a problem with it, because I'm like, he's Frank. He's John yeah. Berenthal, like, and you're micro. <laughs> uh, I I, I like this character because I, I think he's like, I mean, the whole reason he's there is to be the, the other side of like the coin, basically, like the one that basically this, to kill. Yeah, like basically like the same things, more or less. You know, things could have happened to either of them, and he just took it in a different way than Frank did, where Frank went to go kill literally everybody, you know. Uh, David Lieberman kind of went the tech route and like killed himself killed himself basically so I think there are different sides of different coins or different sides of the same coin which I like because I can see myself being in both of those shoes to be honest yeah and I like it yeah no I really like him and I don't even know if it's per se that he's not like against killing because I mean there's points in the in the show where Frank goes we have to kill him and he's like that sounds good to me well I mean like he's against killing himself like that seems because like there are times that like Frank gives him the gun and he's just like I can't do it if that makes sense like Micro himself won't pull the trigger like I think there I think and I think that that's like an important distinction like you can be okay with killing but pulling the trigger yourself is something that's entirely different which I think is why you end up needing it. But, I mean, how like many situations Frank. was he really in to where he needed to kill somebody? And he was behind the computer a lot of the time. I guess that was my Yeah, I know, but you can tell it bothers him, though, because, like, when he when 
he first says like all right you know under one stipulation like they all die you can kind of see like in his face he's like uh is this really what i wanted like do yeah. i really, like do i really want them to die? but then he's like well i can't argue with frank castle like <laughs> it's gonna happen yeah which i think is like a better way of handling it than like karen page trying to like change how mm. this guy is <sighs> The only I think he accepts that Frank is just a badass and is just going to do whatever the hell he wants anyway. The only thing I will say about Karen Page since you brought her up is that Karen Page should be Ben Urich in this entire thing. Well, are we not going to talk about uh, Karen Page's role? She's so okay, annoying. Okay, yeah, we can talk about Karen Page's role. I don't like her. Oh. Yeah, okay. Well, basically, well, I, I was saying because you said no situations. When he does get in a situation for his family, like when Frank does challenge him, he does always seem to go up there whether he likes it or not. And so, like, even though he did, like, kind of... No, because he actually didn't sell himself out at first, or sell Frank out. But, when they faked his death. But he yeah. seems to always, like, I guess you want to say even right to the occasion, even if it's probably, like, half terrible, because you know he has no skills in this whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he, yeah, that's he what does I'm saying. end like, up they, talking They both with... love their families, but they just handle how they're going to get their job done in just different ways. Which I think is, is I it, it's why they have that falling out. Like, they're they're falling out when he when Micro goes to Madani and wants to go to Madani to get that extra help that he knows. Like, I think, too, like, Micro is aware that they need help, whereas Frank is not. Like, Frank is very set on doing it himself and not, like, yeah. I, I mean, and rightfully so. Like, Frank has no reason to trust anybody. <laughs> I also think the fact that he saves Madani also points out that Frank isn't just, like, this mindless killer. Like, I think that's the first point where the show really, like, highlights the fact that, like, Frank isn't just going to kill random people. And he's going this to also a save This is complete people. aside, but god damn it. Stop ruining classic cars for your goddamn <laughs> entertainment. That's literally my dream car. They just blew it up. The bastards blew it up. I was like, oh, is it, is it necessary? You could have just put her like in a new Mustang and just blew that shit up. No. <laughs> you have to blew up you have to blow up all the classics. Sorry, I just hate that in, in movies. I'm so I hate it. Don't you I like Fast it. and the Furious? Yeah, but like they blow up one car like a classic car. That's because Vin Diesel's the only one who drives a classic car in that show. <laughs> And then they rebuild it, so it's okay. <laughs> you never know. They might be rebuilding it. But, uh, no, because, yeah. That's about all I really had for... Okay. So who do you want to talk about next, Karen? Yeah, I guess you can move into Karen. Okay, because I don't think there's a lot about her. But what there is, I don't like. Because I don't like Karen Page. <laughs> um, I personally think that they... And I didn't... I, I like, honestly, like, when we watched the first season of Daredevil, Matt pointed this out, that, like, Ben Eric is, like really important and then they just kill him and there are a lot of points in this story where Karen is having to talk to people and like having to talk to Frank and I just keep thinking I think Ben Eric in these scenes would have been a lot better than having Karen in these scenes because I think Ben would understand it at a deeper level and Karen I just she's annoying she talks and I'm annoyed yeah, like, the same problems I have with her in basically everything, all the other shows, is the problems I have with her here. Like, she's just pretentious. She's just overly pretentious, and I hate it. Like, stop trying to be holier than thou and make and change Frank for who, how he is. I totally love when he was like, all right, if you're not going to help me, then fuck off then. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't need your help then. <laughs> like, didn't beg, didn't, like, try to, like, plead with her. He's like, fuck it, I'll go do this shit myself then. Like, I don't need your help here. Because she's just so pretentious trying to change Frank and, like... 
I hate like that plot of like her moral speeches. Having to, her moral speeches and just like trying to fix everybody when this chick killed a dude and we never talked about it. Like you're not and now you're a you know a concealed carry person when you're mad at Frank for shooting people, like, come on. You're not, you know, the best person to be talking shit, and I just don't like her character. Yeah, for one, I still hate that they killed off Ben Eric, especially the fashion they did, and it's, like, the most useless death and the most unwarranted death in the entire Daredevil season one, and it did make no sense, especially since all they did was replace him with Karen Page, which now apparently she's good, despite having zero experience doing any of this. <laughs> And then basically kind of with Adrian thing, like, it still bugs me every time she shows up on screen and she even talks as, you killed somebody. And it's never been addressed throughout four different shows of four seasons of seeing her. Yeah. And you're going to go on this talking to Frank about morality and other people about morality and you're bad while you're carrying a gun and you killed somebody. Yeah. Because, like, I, I know somebody, I put that on Twitter when I was watching it. And somebody was like, but it was self-defense. I was like, I don't care if it's self-defense. Address it. Use it. If you want to, if, if you want Karen to say, hey, I don't like killing because guess what? I've killed once. I had to kill somebody to save myself and I didn't like doing it. And this is, these are the implications of that. And you want to have her talk from that perspective and use her trauma? Okay. But they don't do any of that. They just have her doing like these long moral soliloquies about how you shouldn't kill anybody, Frank. All I know is at this point, despite her killing somebody in the first season of Daredevil, which was the first Marvel Netflix show, Daredevil, or Matt Murdock, uh, what's his name, Foggy, Frank, um, <laughs> anybody she's worked with in Luke Cage from the Darede- or from the Defender Center, do all do not know that she's actually ever killed anybody, despite yeah. all of that. Claire, yeah. nobody. Yeah. You mean you see her a little bit in that part, and you thought it was going to be this huge part in season two of Daredevil, since he was dealing with morality clauses, in which all she did was talk about giving everything up and whatever. You killed somebody. Yeah. Then you shot him multiple times. I mean, much of self-defense, I'm pretty sure the last three bullets were (laughs) all like, I enjoy this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I It wasn't like one bullet. She unloaded the entire clip into the guy. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think a lot of that, I, like... I genuinely think a lot of keeping her on was like, oh, we don't want to have another dude. Now Karen's a chick and she's here and she can build up this romantic stuff with, you know, with Matt and everything. And I'm just like, that's so stupid. Ben would benefit so, like, Ben could lend so much more to these stories. Um, Specifically in The Punisher. Like, this is the first time that I've seen stuff. Like, even, like, I haven't liked her, but in The Punisher, I'm like, you're actually a detriment to this stuff because I think Ben Urich would have been a lot better handling these situations. And a lot of it has to do with a lot of the dialogue she delivers about the integrity of the press, finding the truth, and helping people. And I'm like, that is Ben. No, at least you Why said because I literally felt the only reason they kept her was because she's a female. Put her yeah, no, I, I genuinely think that's what it was. I think somebody at Marvel was like, hey... We are obviously the, green. What Marvel would do runner. that? Oh, they do it a lot. I think my nah, whole thing. He was a showrunner. He he specifically wanted her in the, like he specifically asked like if he could write her into the story. Uh, the main showrunner showrunner guy. Uh, I saw an article about it when I was like angry about this when I watched the show. And I mean, so. no, I know we're making a big deal about Ben Urk, but anybody that's ever read Daredevil or knows anything about Daredevil, Ben Urk plays a huge part in all of Daredevil's, or at least most of Daredevil's. Like I guess. Whatever you want to call them, stories. Stories. 
<laughs> hey, I was waiting for one of you to come bust out the fancy word or something. <laughs> <laughs> Stories? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's, let's move away from her because she sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk about actual Billy? Billy? Oh, yeah, Billy. Yeah, let's talk about Billy first. Billy's pretty. That's all we find out this whole time. <laughs> You don't find Bill's out anything dick. until, like, the episodes later, that like, until way, way at the end, that Billy's anything other than pretty and following orders. Um, and then there's, like, a distinct switch where he is literally Frank if Frank had no moral grounding. Yeah, and was a dick. Yeah. Well, Frank's already kind of a dick. I don't think Frank would... Oh, I guess they're, like, moral surrounded, but, like, he killed that dude and then went and fucked her. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. That is so fucked. That's chaotic <laughs> like, evil. so like that, that is that is the evilest of the evil. But, well, then that, but we forgot as much as that. Like, they do show the scene of his presumed mother. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, my He's God. Matt, talk I about was that, like, please. <laughs> talk about that, please. I don't, I don't know what was going on there. So, I was like, what the? This is weird. This is weird. So I had to. <laughs> my idea is like a background of what yes. I. Yes. So, one, when I was looking up, because I always get bored, I look up Billy Russo to see where they actually took a character from, like, uh, like an unknown or, like, small-time character and built him up, or if they just kind of made a new character, because some of the characters in these shows, usually one or two of them are, like, a newly made character, and usually one or two of them just kind of redone. And so I looked up Billy Russo. And they basically said that he was basically a wife beater and he was like torturing his mom and all this stuff and dad was like messed up in like abusive household. It's like, wow, this makes no sense from this until they show this one clip at the very beginning of the show, which apparently he has his mom like sedated in a mental hospital locked away. His actual parents, who apparently I think she's the one they put him up for adoption. Yeah. And she found he found him and basically has her sitting in a mental hospital being sedated in like not really tortured, but Pretty much. Oh, he tortures her. Like mentally tortured, not like really physically yeah. per se tortures her. I think trapping somebody in a bed is Doris physical torture. <laughs> well, I know. She's trapped down and like sedated and stuff, but he's not like, sitting there beating her. Basically, he's, he like shows up to, so, so she can see him. Yeah. And then talk to her like, hey, I love you or something like that. And then literally leaves. And it, I see that and you can tell that it's like a ritual of him. Like, I, I, I personally think that that is a really big form of torture. Not not physical because he's not like beating her legs as she's like st- like in a bed. But I think beyond like for him, this goes into that. It, it, it's the exact same reason why he goes and has sex with Madani after he kills her partner. Because it's all about that power and control factor of these people. And I totally see him as being a wife beater if you put him in a romantic situation. But it's also weird because up to this point, they've given you no reason in the show to not like him. Yeah, it's the first point. Yeah, I think they literally, I mean, not that it's not that important to his character per se, but I almost feel like they, it doesn't seem forced, but they put it in here because it almost, at the point, you're almost like thinking Billy Roos is a good guy, whether he was good or bad, and you kind of like him, and he's a pretty face, and they had to give you at least some context of reason, like, this is actually a bad guy. Yeah, like, this isn't what you think it is. Like, things look different. Because even towards, I mean, besides, like, the bathroom scene, which is obviously very, very disturbing, (laughs) there's still, by the end, you're like... Maybe this guy, you know, like, you could almost, like, cheer for the guy at some point because he's literally not, like, you understand somewhat where he's coming from. At least yeah. I do because he talks about basically it's just literally he's alone. He doesn't have any family connections. He was abandoned at birth. I mean, he basically does it all for the money. It's no personal connections whatsoever. 
And so they have to make, they have to show you that this isn't a guy you root for. Yeah, you got you got to show him that he's more than just a mercenary per se, because some people don't yeah. mind your mercenary type. Yeah. Adrian, I don't hear you're mute. Fuck. Um. Yeah, like his character's just a dick. <laughs> like you're supposed to hate him. Like I don't know, man. Um, and maybe I just I, I just never liked it. I can just tell something was something was off. Something was a <laughs> foot. Too pretty. Something was a foot, and then that scene with his mom was just messed up, like just crazy. And he just does just messed up stuff like the entire time. And they try to set him up as being like, you know, you know, I'm getting out because I don't want to do this no more. But I was like, nah, this dude, this dude's sketchy. He's I think real too. Sketchy. Like, I think the. I actually think next to Kilgrave. Billy Russo creeps me out the most on like the people I don't want to meet factor from the villains and that just has to do with the fact that like I think Billy Russo is a lot in the ways like he is kind of kill gravy in the fact that it's that power over a situation that he craves and he wants and he will like the things that he does to remind himself that he has power in those situations like I next to Jessica Jones like, some of the stuff in that show, I've never really been too uncomfortable watching the, the Netflix shows, except for that scene when he's washing her in the bathtub after after he kills her partner and everything. Like, that was just, oh my god, this dude is extra rapey and person-beating and, like, just, like, a terrible person. And you can tell that he's getting off on having that power over everybody in those situations. It's basically, it's they knocked it out of the park with his goddamn character. Yeah, basically. he did. It, it, it's terrifying. Because when they first when they first started, I was like, "Are they like when when is this dude gonna do some sh- fucked up shit?" <laughs> I knew, like you know Billy Russo, like this dude's gonna be jigsaw at some point. Yeah. Where's the fucked up stuff? Where's the where's his his father abuse stuff coming from? And then they just hit you with a truck with all of it. And I'm like, "Yep, this is this is what I wanted." Yeah. This is the the villain that I'm supposed to hate and not supposed to like. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm down with it. Yeah. It's sad because there are moments where I still I still like you like even like when he gets uh when Frank gets tortured and he just basically lets Frank just beat this guy. Oh and yeah. When like he, he has <laughs> these moments where you kind of like Okay, guy. Like well, you have this sense of like well, what he for, even when he lets. Uh, I can't well, but that's what the that thing. It, it, it's for power, though. Like I know only, it is. Like the only reason that he lets Frank beat that of uh, the CIA agent to death is because that that dude was trying to assert himself over him, and he was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna clip these things. I'm gonna stab Frank. You know, you just stab Frank with some adrenaline, or you're gonna stab Frank with some adrenaline. Now he's gonna beat the crap out of you, like. It, it it is so ter- it's so good like that actor is so good and him and Kilgrave are the most terrifying people for me in the entire Marvel. But Netflix he has universe. that personality where he could walk up to anybody and anybody's gonna like him. That's how Kilgrave is. Yeah. Like that. Awesome. Like yeah. that to me is terrifying. Like that level of uh that that level of megalomania and ability to abuse somebody is terrifying to me and like is it he's a great villain I just again know, great I know villain it's bad, for it's disturbing, but it's totally fascinating to me and he's probably my favorite character out of this whole show no i, I think and if, i don't know if that says no, more no, about I, me than well no else, i don't else. i don't think it's wrong because like i think that the way they wrote him they make you conflicted about who he is what he's doing 
And like, I, I honestly think this proves my point from our Marvel Netflix episode. The villains are some of the best parts of these shows. They write great villains. Like, I'm still rooting for Mariah over anybody else in Luke Cage. <laughs> so, I, I think that Marvel as a franchise has a lot of weak villains. Marvel as a Netflix series knocks villains out of the park. I think because so. they're just allowed to do what they can't want. Yeah, they are. They're allowed to show you the darkest part yeah. of a villain. You're not going to see somebody bathing somebody on screen like that. Or yep. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. So next part, um, I want to talk about Curtis, and who is a friend of Frank's from his military service. And Curtis. A, oh, yes. Never yeah, mind. he I'm is. I'm sorry. I'm t- I thought you were talking about the other person. No. Curtis right, is like. So Curtis is Frank's best friend for the most part, and he's the only other person outside of the Daredevil family that know that Frank's still alive. And Curtis has used his out-of-military experience to put on a support group for veterans who have come home and don't know what to do. Um, And in this scene, in in Curtis's scenes, you get to see this sense of... um, of not belonging that a lot of veterans feel and you get to hear a lot of talk and explanation of that pain. Curtis himself is an amputee. There are people who have various physical and mental wounds from war in his circle and out of Curtis you get this subplot which is intense and has like has probably hit me more than even the stuff that I saw in Jessica Jones but you have you have the subplot with Lewis who is a young I think he's like in his 20s and he's come back and he he doesn't fit anywhere and he's having the severe PTSD where he ends up like building a trench in his backyard and living out there because he can't adjust to civilian life and but he's also so damaged where they can't go back exactly he's so yeah he's too damaged that nobody will take him and it and what that's really solidified and I actually think this is one of the points where I liked Billy is because he attempts to go to the mercenary organization or it's, it's a military contracting organization right. which is pretty much mercenaries that Billy owns Anvil and he goes there and Billy gives them this speech and that speech was really it kind of really shook me because in the speech he talks about how like we train you to do something and then you come back and we don't accept you when you come back and you can't use those skills that we gave you and you have no place to fit. Let me give you a place to fit. And while Lewis is trying out, you know, for this, you see that Lewis genuinely has empathy for people because he's trying to help that guy next to him do the pull-ups and get into the training. And then it ends up that like, because he is so mentally damaged, he can't go back. He can't do anything. Well, I don't know per se about that. Because what do you one, mean? he actually seems like he actually excels when they're doing this whole training thing. He's yeah. actually excelling real well. Then it depends on, you can tell he's damaged and he probably shouldn't go back. But literally, they would probably would have taken him if Curtis actually doesn't ask for a favor. That's right, yeah. Because Curtis ends up, so Curtis also knows Billy because um, he was also in the service with them. And Curtis ends up telling Billy, hey, this is this guy, this is his damage. Yeah. You should not let this guy in. Right. And so Lewis ends up getting cut from the program and starts into a spiral where he meets, I don't remember his name, but he's like the, he's the stereotype that you see of, and like, somebody who's trying to incite people 
to, I mean, I, I, I don't, does anybody, I, I don't know how to really explain this character. Well, he's know. like your stereotypical, like, if, you know, NRA, you know, the government, is out to get you yeah. kind of guy. Government right? conspiracies, they don't, you know, the yeah. government doesn't love you, your guns are all you have. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they turns out to be a goddamn phony, which I loved. Yes. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, like, we can probably get more, but I do love that they take some of this, like, that stereotypical character but they do show not just because some yeah they not only just show him per se on one end of the spectrum, but then they also seem a broad end to where they get to the other stereotypical side later in the show on the other side of the yeah. spectrum. Yeah. So like in this character, we start to see that this show, which uses a lot of guns, is actually talking about like the issues with guns in the U.S. And they they do they do try to balance it by showing you both stereotypes. Um, but the reason this guy is important is because Lewis takes to him. And really buys into the narrative that this guy is selling. Because to Lewis, he's seeing a man who was treated like crap after Vietnam. He served and wasn't respected. And now that's exactly the plight that he that Lewis is going through. Come to find out, the guy never actually served in the military. Or at least on the battlefield. <laughs> and this sets Lewis off. And he kills him. Which kind of bugs me, at least a little bit, of... In the sense of, why would you not, like... I mean, I guess with all his information now, it did, like, the Curtis, like, here's his records and his look. Yeah. Because it bugged me that as much as he took for him, he didn't actually look for himself, I guess. Yeah. Which, I and I think the reason he doesn't look for himself is because he's just looking for somebody yeah. to be with. I know. And but... so it takes that outside force because Curtis sees the danger that this guy can put Lewis in. Like, Curtis knows that this guy is on the edge. Curtis knows right. that Lewis is on the edge. And so Curtis is trying to do everything he can to pull him back. And it doesn't go that way because once he's been, once he has been denied by Anvil, lied to by him, and in his mind, lied to by Curtis and right. hurt by Curtis, he has nowhere to turn. So, based on this, I mean, because we know what ends up going around and stuff, and at least from watching the training, should they try to save him or just let him go back? I think that's the question overall. Which I don't know the answer. Because, I mean, just watching him train and watching him act and everything, I know he was damaged, per se, but when civilian life, he was living in a... He literally was living in a ditch in his yard. But I, I think... And then he actually excelled with people, and you see this... But I think that's on. why... I think that's why they showed that, because you can't just keep sending people back to that. Like, I think it's trying to point out the fact... That as a system and as a country, we don't do enough to help veterans actually make that transition to be able to live right. a civilian life. We like it was trying to point out the fact that there aren't enough Curtises to actually help people that are making that transition, and so that's why I think they don't let him go back. Because I think the like the thing to take away is we should actually reach out and try to help these people transition versus just keeping. Well, like, based on everything else, what were the, could they actually do more for Lewis? I, I just think Curtis needed more. Like, Curtis had nowhere to send him to. Well, like, I know. It was but just I, Curtis I, handling yeah. him. There, there's no institution to help him. The VA wasn't helping him. There right. aren't, like, there is nothing large that will help him. It was Lewis by himself trying to save somebody who hit the point where he didn't want to be saved. And I think that's the problem. Like, ultimately. Right. Like one Lewis isn't gonna save Lewis need or no um Curtis needs help saving saving somebody. 
like Curtis needs an institution to fall back on. Curtis needs more people to fall back on the help. It like it was it was fruitless. And and it was probably one of the most touching and terrifying things to see because event after after Lewis kills the NRA stereotype guy, he ends up going on pretty much a spree where he's sending bombs and there are explosions and he sees himself as becoming Frank. He sees himself as being a punisher, but he's punishing punishing the big government and everything like that. Like he he is embodying the like the Unabomber and all those things and he ends up writing to Karen Page because Karen Page has written about Frank and has pointed that Frank is human and Frank is not a bad guy and so he immediately thinks that she's going to support him. When that doesn't happen, he ends up losing it completely. Um, and this is where you get what, what Matt brought up earlier, the stereotype of the other person who doesn't want any guns. Um, because Karen and um, this, he's like a senator or a congressman. He's a senator. Yeah, he's a senator who is um, against uh, who is against any sort of carry and any sort of gun. And he's sitting there and they're debating and Karen's kind of working this middle ground where like, there is a limit, but at the same time, like, I conceal, I, I have a concealed carry permit, I personally have these things, and we have this dialogue, which is, it's way better than anything Arrow did with it, and it's probably more nuanced than a lot of the conversations we get about gun violence and um, gun rights in a lot of media, and it ends up not only showing the NRA guy as a fraud, but also showing the anti-gun guy as a, as a fraud, because he ends up... Um, relying on these mercenaries to save him because Lewis is out to get him. <laughs> yes, he ends up hiring Billy. Yeah. That wasn't necessarily his point though. Like he didn't want to get rid of all guns. Like he like he he says uh it's not about taking all guns away from all people. It's about taking all guns away from the wrong people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't like against like concealed carry, but his carry's like knock of like Look at these mercenaries guys next to you, you dick. Yeah. Like, those are probably the wrong people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I know yeah, I like Curtis. Anything... Though. That whole subplot is really good. I think a lot of the time, some of these subplots can really take away from the main story in these, you know, not just like Marvel shows, Any but just kind of like shows yeah. in general, right? Um, but this subplot, you know, everything you talked about from Curtis to Lewis to the senator, all, all of that stuff, all these minor characters making up that whole that subplot is super good. Like I was invested in that as I was in the main story. And I think a lot of that has to do with mainly Curtis being badass. Like they took like a minor character from the comics and made him, yeah. I would imagine a fan favorite easily just because of how well they handled his character. He, he's definitely one of I my favorites. I will say favorites. the Senator, as much as it was talking with Karen, it was more with interaction with Billy where he was really challenged yeah. in his, in his hypo- uh, hypocrisy. Yeah. 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 yeah, a lot of good social commentary plus good, you know, good moments. Great writing <laughs> and great characters. Yeah. I think, too, like, one of the yeah, things... Um, so, like, I, I love Curtis, and what happens is Curtis ends up finding out that it's Lewis before Frank does, and Curtis confronts Lewis, and they have this fight, and Curtis is winning, and he is probably going to win, and then Lewis pretty much beats him with his... Pro- beats him with his prosthetic and so when frank finds curtis they have this exchange and curtis is a broken man like he like he like the first thing he says to frank is like if i was completely you know this wouldn't have happened to me you know i could have done this and like he has to deal with the fact that his disability was used against him 
and he ends up while Frank is there and they're trying because um, Lewis has strapped a bomb to him and they're trying to disarm it. They're having this conversation where Lewis, um, where uh, Curtis just keeps saying, like, you know, I'm not fixed. Like, I feel all of this. I feel everything that, you know, that this guy's felt. And he wishes that he had died on the battlefield versus to be in the position where he's completely helpless because he came back without a leg. And it is, it is some of this, it was some, it is some of the most, like, potent commentary on those issues of coming back and staying and, like, how people feel. That, like, it, it was just, it was crazy. It was so good. It was so, so good. Um, ultimately, Frank does win out, and he ends up, um, which, with probably the most po- powerful moment of Frank's interaction with people, is um, Lewis has locked himself in a fridge in the hotel, and Frank is on the outside, and Frank pretty much talks him into committing suicide. Um, and you yeah, he tells him what, like, go out like a soldier, is yeah. what he says, or like some, something along those lines. Yeah. Well, because he basically said that you now if you've done, as much as whatever happened to you, you've basically ruined your entire family. Yeah. And what happens is there's this scene where you see both of them and you see the board, the door between them and you realize that, like, not only do, is Frank mirrored by somebody like Matt Murdock or even Billy, but he's also mirrored in this in this guy, this Lewis tried to become Frank in a way and that type of mental break is something that Frank was was and is really close to I think personally and having him he didn't having him talk him into killing himself is probably one of the most like I had to stop watching after that episode for a little bit because it was really deep and it was really big and gosh I can see why they delayed the show on yes. Comic-Con. Yeah, because <laughs> during... <laughs> yeah, so New, New York Comic-Con, right after the Las Vegas shooting, they decided to remove their uh, panel from the lineup and not promote at New York Comic-Con. And I think that this the storyline is definitely why. It was Well, one, I was wondering how... Because I wasn't a fan of, like, when they did decide to do this, and I didn't know exactly because I knew Punisher, violence, this is what happens, et cetera, et cetera. But seeing... Exactly, this whole, like, I guess it was subplot arc over these, like, I think it's episodes basically seven through eight, or six through, I mean, six through eight or so, that happens. You could totally see, like, out of all things, yeah, I can I can, I can get on board with why you pulled that. Yeah. Um, I guess, I mean, did I miss anybody? I think that's pretty much the bulk Also, of the, the funniest thing about the NRI guy is when the cop shows up, which also shows the interaction between the cops... With one yes, yeah. that happened to the courthouse and two the interaction between basically Billy and detective the other detective in the room during the senator thing, I think are actually very Can you explain that? So one, basically they're protesting on the courthouse or semi protesting. I don't know, they're handing out flyers and the cop says to leave and they're like spooting out like we can't you can't do this, this is the law section blah blah and the cop basically like I make the law, leave, do this. The NRA guy basically walks away and leaves Lewis to get arrested because Lewis fights and basically... That's well, what, see, but Lewis doesn't fight fight. Like, that's the important thing. He well, no, he doesn't, he doesn't fight fight. I meant, like, he's actually just saying, I don't have to leave. This is the law. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then he's manhandled by yeah, the police. Yeah, basically manhandled, beaten, <laughs> thrown to the ground by the police and arrested while the other guy just walks away like nothing happens. Your first sign that you're like, this NRA guy is... This guy is all talk. <laughs> yeah. Then when they're in the hotel... There are two problems I have with the cops. One, they always seem to... 
this there was the same detective from Daredevil season two in which he dealt with Frank, in which everybody actually points this out during this entire show. But this whole time, he basically presumes Frank is the bad guy, and this is exactly what happened according to this senator, basically without any evidence, out any cause, and basically using any prior knowledge of actually dealing with Frank, which was a total disregard for everything. And then, which was kind of very disturbing, did not like that at all. But then the interaction between Billy and the cop, I find are interesting because we have this, yes, this interaction between, I guess, this whole cops becoming or military people becoming cops and this whole mentality of taking in which billy basically says like the cops like this is a total like failure people are dead and everything else this is how we do it and billy basically responds with where i come from and what i do basically the target's alive casualties die and people die all the time this is success in our book this is what we expect and it's just like a totally different perspective yeah, because I, I think ultimately it kind of talked to like the, the like the militarization of the police force, and I, I don't think it was talking about like the like I don't think that it necessarily was saying that cops don't face difficulties because they do, but I think like what that was trying to do was say like it is different than being in the military and yeah. somebody who is on a mission in the middle of a war zone where you have to accept that death is a possibility and you just have to get the job done. You don't even accept it's a possibility. You just basically know it's a guarantee. The whole point yeah. is you have to get. As long as you get what you're supposed to, you expect, yeah. you know, only seven of ten are returning. Yeah. And that's still a success. Yeah. Which is really tough. Um, yeah. Um, is Which, there once again, proves that Billy still, at some point in this show, is really, like, it really does. But yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess overall, what are what are your guys' thoughts? Like, what did, I think I got everybody. Did I miss anybody? I mean, we didn't talk about, like, Rollins and, like, Sarah Lieberman, but, like, I think they're just stereotypical background characters. I don't think they really deserve. Yeah. Not that like, they don't deserve it, but, like, I don't think we need to spend time talking about that. Okay. To be honest, I don't think it really adds anything. Like, Rollins is just, like, the crazy, the crazy, you know, crooked government guy. And then Sarah Lieberman's kind of, who who you know, just. Who Frank took his eye. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. Rollins is the yeah, mastermind. He was, he was there to get his face bashed in, so. Huh? That he was there to get his face bashed in. Pretty so much. That's, that's all we got to say about that. Yeah, it was because again, he was the side villain, not the main villain. Yeah. And he didn't really do much as a side villain. Billy pretty much did all of his stuff for him. No, he was technically yeah. the main villain that was supposed to die for villain. Billy yeah. became the main villain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I guess how do we wrap up? I mean, overall, like, what do you guys think? Like, what do you walk away with this? Like, like, what do you walk away with from this series? Um, I think it's really good. Like I, um, I don't. I think it's just so different from the other, the other shows. To be honest, like in terms of just the character it's portraying is just like a lot different than Jessica Jones. It's a lot different than um, than Daredevil. So like I don't know how, how I would really rank it. I think it's my favorite. <laughs> like that's, that's how I walk away. Like I walk away thinking it's my favorite. But it's also been so long since I've seen Daredevil. But it's really good. Like, I didn't walk away from this like I walked away from Defenders or how I walked away from Luke Cage. Like, I didn't really have very many problems with the show outside of, like, Karen Page being annoying. Like, <laughs> it, it's pretty solid. And I'm just so surprised at, like, you know, Metacritic, it's, like, 56 out of 100. Oh, God. Uh, this is? I yeah. I think, like, Rotten Tomatoes, it's, like, 61%. Like, I just don't understand, like, 
where the problems of the show are coming from. Yeah. Because I think it's one of the what it is one of the best Marvel Netflix shows that's out right now. Like it's that's yeah. how good good it is. Lots of social commentary. The characters are great. It's well written. Like it's it's yeah. everything I wanted. From when you asked in the beginning of the you know the episode what I wanted to get out of it, this is what I wanted to get out of it. You know, that's, yeah. it gave me the show I was hoping for. Yeah. So. One, I think, uh, we from basically Christian people, I know some people have a problem with the violence. I don't know what they were expecting. Yeah, some that's what I was going to say. Like, some I've, people are stupid. Like, I've gone on, like, a few, like, when I was watching this, I went on a few rants on Twitter about this. I know that, like, some people were, were worried that this was going to be, like, the stereotype of what, like, of what a mass shooter is. Like, just an angry dude with a gun, and that's all he's going to be. And I think that Frank Castle was far from that. And I think that they did a good job of distinguishing what that, like, mass, what a mass shooter, mass killer is in Lewis versus what Frank is and detaching him from that narrative of violence for the sake of violence or violence for destructive purposes. I think they did a good job of putting that in a pocket and leaving it there and letting Pat and letting Frank shine outside of that. Yeah, well, you can clearly see that one, like, because you're talking about between the Lewis and Frank, that is a very thin line. It's also very interesting how much Frank really hates bombs. Oh, yeah. Because that was out of one thing that was, like, the he, like, set him off more than, it, like, may not more than anything, obviously. Because he, he calls Lewis a coward, yeah, right? Yeah, he literally hates bombs. As much as, like, artillery he uses and everything else, he literally hates bombs. But besides the fact of the violence part of, like, I think could possibly lead to people not liking this, which I don't understand because it's what we call the Punisher and we don't expect the only thing I will say when I first got done watching this and what I thought of, I thought of this is like what I kind of wanted Luke Cage to be like. Because I thought there's oh. parts of Luke Cage that were just extremely boring and there's literally no action whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So the writing's well done, but to me it's just kind of very boring and drags along for like almost a drama, not really like a superhero show. This show has parts of that where this show can be kind of very boring. The writing's well done, but there's really not a lot going on in boring. But when the show does kick into, like, its action or, like, like the scene in the very first show, this hyper-violent thing, it comes on and it comes on very, very well. Yeah. And so you can see why this show is what it is. Whereas Luke Cage, it would go from this whole, like, boring, like, storytelling thing and then never really seem to kick up into that next gear of, like, why this show was a superhero. Or at least that's the first thing I thought about watching. Yeah. I really enjoyed both of them. I like this one obviously a lot better, but Luke Cage I thought was like extremely boring with no parts, whereas this one I said the first episode was boring, but that whole last three minutes of it, you're like, I think that was cool. That was worth it. Yeah. Um, I think overall, like my main thing from here, it gave me exactly what I wanted um, when it came to showing like Frank's dealing with trauma because John Barenthal, or however you pronounce his last name, was meant to be Frank Castle and oh my god, does he act his ass off. Like, he is so good. And there are these scenes that happen where it's not necessarily a flashback so much as it's what's happening in the moment. And Angel uh, and Adrian kind of mentioned this when he talked about the home scene. All of these are happening in Frank's head. And there are, like, hallucinations that he has where he's having a moment of post-traumatic stress where he's, he's, he's seeing his family. And there's this one specific moment where he's at the, I guess, like a Thanksgiving table with his family and the Liebermans, and they're enjoying it, and he, sm- he has this huge smile on his face, and then uh, the CIA bursts in to kill everybody, and his face switches from this huge smile into this, like, 
pained expression where he's just freaking out. And, like, the type of, like, visual acting that John Barenthal gives you with his delivery of lines and everything else, like, it's perfect. It is perfect in the scenes that are happening in Frank's head, and it's perfect in the scenes that are happening with everybody else. Like, I loved you, Thomas Jane, but John Barenthal's the, the Punisher for me. Like, hands down. Like, that. that's what I walked away with. Like, he can act. Oh my god, he can act. And I also really want to hear, like, the perspective of somebody who's been in the military and has watched this show. Like, I want to see how, like, what they take away from the Punisher because they do hit a lot on those, those issues that veterans would deal with. Um, I guess, ranking-wise, Punisher's my favorite one. It blows everything out of the water for me because it gives me the drama of, the drama in writing superiority that Luke Cage says like Matt like Matt did and the like the action of Daredevil like it's a nice little Mary between them like you said like the it's balanced I get super deep writing I don't get anywhere else and I get some really great fight scenes that I don't get anywhere else and the social commentary is a plus for me so this is like my top out of all the Marvel stuff what about for you hmm? what about for you Oh, I mean, it's up there. I mean, it's not my favorite, but it's definitely better than, like, Iron Fist, The Defenders, and Well, those two are pretty low. (laughs) I mean, I guess it'd be second. I mean, I like Daredevil Season 1 first, and then this one might be up there right next to it. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably about where I'm at with Matt. Like, I think I like Daredevil more being kind of like the... Not like the originator, because, like, didn't Jessica Jones come out before Daredevil? No, 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 no. Daredevil was the very first one. Uh, I think that's why I like Daredevil. Like, I think it hit all that stuff way before, and nothing until this has caught up to I think Daredevil season one. So right. that's accurate. Yeah, Dare, like this. This is this is good because we have it. We have Daredevil one season one. Daredevil season one to compare it to, and without that, yeah. we wouldn't be able to say you know how good Punisher is. So I, I'd say true. I'd say solid two, and it's not yeah. by it's and it's like it's close. It's close. Yeah. I was just surprised this blew Jessica Jones out of it for me because I love Jessica Jones. But yeah, okay, so that's it. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, go watch it. I don't know how to end it. But, oh yeah, we have to put. I think yeah. Uh, you can find the podcast at But Why Though PC on Instagram and Twitter, face on Facebook at facebook.com slash butwhythopc and head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash butwhythopc and you can get episodes a day early, some extra clips that we cut out because we talk too much or I guess I talk too much. You talk too much. (laughs) Um, And you do get merch and some, you know, special holiday cards from me written with all my love. So check that out. As always, you can find me at ohmymythrandier on Instagram and Twitter. Adrian? Yep, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SuperReese93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z 93. Matt? You can find me on the Twitter at datm18, D-A-T-T-M-1-8. Okay, bye. Bye. I had a good home, but I left. I had a good home, but I left. I that big fucking bomb made me deaf, deaf. A home beam mechanic put his Kevlar on wrong I guarantee you'll meet up with the suicide bomb And hell broke loose Hell broke loose
in the middle of the road. You pay a hundred dollars just for filling in the hole. Listen to the general every goddamn.